Geek Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 99 for Monday, January 23rd, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it today, Mr. Kent? Goes pretty good today. I had a nice weekend of music, and uh, the House Rockers got to play a good show at a club, and uh, I got to play some nice music for a friend of mine who is recovering, recovered from leukemia. There was a big party for her, and I got to do a couple nice acoustic songs. Oh, very nice. Uh, at that party. Yeah, you know, that, that stuff is is very meaningful. You know, you, you, when you get to kind of like, that's your, your gift, your sharing, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I played, you've got a friend and I played, uh, Cat Stevens, the wind. And, uh, it was just nice to connect some music with, with some people who were just celebrating yeah. such a joyous, great thing. So that was fun. House Rockers had a really good club date. I, I think I was, I think I've shared before where there's this club we play. We've been playing there about 12 years. It's about 50 miles away from here, but we've been, We've been pretty consistent there, you know, over building an audience over the course of the 12 years to the point now where it's it's there's like a line to get in. And, you know, there's like a it's like a really good vibe for us to come in. And, That's a and good we thing. almost yeah. always have a yeah, we almost always have a really good gig there. Lots of energy. The crowd gives us lots of energy. It's kind of like. Those good sweaty bar gigs that uh, that's why you do those things. Yeah, I like those good sweaty bar gigs. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, I've, I was going to say it doesn't matter the class of the bar. But and then I was going to talk about how I've played some of my most favorite gigs, uh, bar gigs, especially at biker bars. That's actually a great class of people. I don't. And that's why I sort of stopped and how I framed it, because uh, the, I love playing those sweaty bar gigs. That's like that's part of that's part of why we do what we do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is a, a like a it's not it's not a biker bar, it's a microbrewery, so it's the, okay. kind of the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I love it's, uh, it's a yeah, it's a bunch of people of all ages, you know, who come in and squeeze in, and the dance floor is pretty much packed from downbeat on, and the band has a lot of fun, and and you know we goof around. I will bring up something really interesting though. We um, I started a, I started the show with a little, just me and a guitar singing a verse of R.E.M.'s The End of the World, and we know it. Sure. Which I know that you know every word to that freaking song, which I still can't believe. But anyway. I, I can't believe it either. Like, if you asked me to write them down, maybe I could write them down. I don't know. But I, I couldn't tell you, like, what the third verse starts with yet. But like I, let, it's, it's, So you start from the beginning and you can do the whole thing. Correct. <laughs> Evidently, there will come a time when that does not happen. Uh, but thus far... I can start from the the beginning and and get all the way through to the end, pretty much. Yeah. So so I did this, and you know I sang the second verse, which makes it makes a reference to the left. Six o'clock TV hour. Don't get caught foreign tower, right? No, um, left west. Um, yeah, with the Furies coming. Yes, that one. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. see, I, yeah, and I worked on it all weekend. And still, <laughs> just so many freaking words. <laughs> Anyway, it makes a reference to the left. It makes a reference a reference to the right, you know. And uh, so, you know, I, I felt it was innocuous enough. Everybody could get what they needed out of the sure. out of the statement. Um, and I think that that 
in essence happened. I didn't introduce why I was singing it. I just kind of strummed the guitar, sang the verse, sang the chorus, and then we went right into our first song. Right. A little bit later on, we played um, – what did we play? Um, See, that's it. So I sang you the beginning of the third verse that I said – Two seconds ago, I couldn't remember. You can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second verse starts with the team-by-team team reporters baffled Trump till the uh, yeah, that whole thing. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So, uh, but we started um, uh, Let's Go Crazy by Prince, you know, the kind of organ and dearly beloved, we are gathered here. Um, and uh, someone in the band made, uh, we are gathered here to, and someone in the band kind of shouted out something a little more adversely political is about all I'll say. Sure. And I didn't notice it at the time, but someone else in the band said, Many, many people reacted. What do you think? You think, you think, you know, part of even at, even at the level of cover music, you're entitled to your opinion and you put it out there or, you know, you know, as long as you're not rude or do you think there's no place for it in cover music and just play your songs and get off the stage? Gosh, that's a that's a, that in and of itself, I think, is a loaded question, regardless of what your political beliefs actually turn out to be out, out to be, even if you have them. Uh, and I've encountered many musicians who don't and, and just as many who do and are very passionate uh, about their political beliefs. Um, my personal philosophy is leave that stuff. Rant about it in the green room. Rant about it sitting at the bar. But when you're on stage, man, you know, just play your songs. It's mm. fine. I, you know, I that kind of thing as an audience member and as a, a performer does not resonate well with me. Uh, but I, I know that. That uh, I'm certainly not alone, but I know there are people that that feel very, very differently uh, about that. And you feel? Do you feel that way, regardless? Like, is it a cover band, or if it's a you know, you go to see Fogarty, or you go to see you know Jackson Brown, or anybody like that, artists who you know have political opinions. Do you want them to keep it off stage too? You know, when I saw Don Henley, um, they uh, they got it was about three quarters of the way through the set, and uh, Don said. And then this was, you know, I guess, I guess it was after the election, right? I want to say, I think it was, but maybe not. Maybe it was before the election. And he said, um, he said, you know, we've got this song that we've been playing all tour because uh, it must've been before the election. Yeah. Cause it would have been too cold to play outside afterward here. Um, and he said, you know, we can't wait till this whole craziness is over. And, um, and he said that this is, this song is our therapy. And and then he went and they played a straight and perfect cover of Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Mm. But he never said which side he or any of the other band members were on. It's and it's entirely possible with whatever he had, 14 people on the road with him, that there was a varying array of, you know, political opinions. So um, I, that that to me was was about as far as I think anybody should go. But even that is like. You know, why, why even say that? Just play the song. You know what I mean? I don't need to. Yeah, my, my, again, I, obviously my head is in a little different place because sure. of what I chose to do. Right. And I think, but I think the thing is don't offend anybody is a, is a good place to start. So I, I don't think, you know, taking an, an overt adversarial position against somebody who might be in, in your audience is a smart thing to do or, or a good thing to do or a nice thing to do. But I think, you know, we live in a world and, you know, I think art and, and, um, and the world are interconnected. And as an artist, even if you're a cover artist and, you know, again, I, I fight for that, that concept, sure. even as a cover artist, if you have something to say, if you can say it respectfully, I don't I actually don't have a problem with it. If someone's going to preach at me, you know, and, and there is a difference. There is I mean, a difference. It's true. Yeah. 
And now, it, I will say this, you know, uh, R.E.M. would be the one of the first bands on the list where that would uh, I mean, they don't play anymore, uh, at least not at the moment. And they say they're done. I don't believe them. But, uh, you know, R.E.M. was definitely preachy, you know, if if not overtly on stage, certainly off stage. And mm. and then they didn't try to hide it. You know, the who would definitely disagree with you. Screw that. Offend whoever you want. Go play rock and roll, you know, and, and then you get back into the Sex Pistols and Iggy Pop and, you know, the kinks and they would all tell you, screw you. <laughs> yeah, I'll offend you before I get on stage. How's that sound? You know, and, and I'll tell you, a lot of it is in the delivery. Right. So remember, you know, for most cover bands where people are only kind of half listening, they certainly aren't listening to your political positions. Correct. So, you know, the way that you do it, um, you know, I, I am always looking at ways to make the house rockers feel a part of people's lives in, in one way or another. And so, yeah. you know, th- this is in my mind when I'm saying, you know, uh, we're all going, you know, remember, that's what I said. I took a verse that, that makes an acknowledgement of the left and makes acknowledgement of the right. And, sure. you know, <laughs> and somewhat tongue in cheek says the end of the world as we know it. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, someone could say, I, I know what you're doing there and maybe so, but my, uh, but I also think you kind of, you have to deliver it right. So, you look, you can sound preachy if you get up there and say, I don't care if you listen to me or not, but I'm going to say what I have to say. That's right. very hard to pull that off, right? right. Um, but, you know, you do it musically and subtly. Maybe you can do that. And someone who is into the listening to the nuance of your band, if it's done tastefully, I think will get, you know, good for you guys. You know, you're, you're paying attention to the world yep. and, you know, your music is connected to that. I, I think you get points for that. Preach, preaching is bad. Preaching is bad if... Preaching looks bad and is not effective. Ultimately, if that's what you want is to be effective. Um, preaching is bad if you if you're no one's listening to you anyway. Right. Well, that's the thing. And and you also as a certainly as a cover band, but even and again, different original bands have completely different views on on what they're doing. And, and I think that's sort of par for the course. But certainly as a cover band, if your goal is to be entertaining and to be that escape for people on a Friday or a Saturday night. Well, part of being that escape is, you know, kind of getting people out of the, you know, whatever problems in their lives or with the world they are having to deal with. And so don't bring that back in. Just like you wouldn't say to somebody, hey, uh, Friday night, that's great. You know, we're so happy to have you out here. Don't forget about all those reports you got to get done at work on Monday, though. I mean, it, right. That's it. To me, bringing up politics on stage is almost exactly the same thing. It's like, why well, I, would you bring that up? You brought up R.E.M. And so R.E.M. has a DVD of a, of a famous show that they did in Berlin outside. Yeah, do you know that show? I do. And great show. A, by the there's way. a moment, a great show. And there is a moment um, in in Bad Day by R.E.M. where he's about to sing the line, we're sick of being jerked around. Yep. And and the camera cuts to a kid in the audience whose eyes are closed and he is shouting that line with every fiber of his being. That is a powerful thing. You know, yeah. you, you know, when you can connect with people and, and uh, on on a on a level like that, again, you earn that. You don't just assume that you have to a your song has to be freak, freaking great. B your performance has to be freaking great. <laughs> right, right. Right. So you got a long ways before you're moving people that way. But I would say that's inspiring to me, and definitely what I would hope to move to. Well, so is but that if I'm playing music, someone's closing their eyes, and it's you know moving them so deeply. So absolutely no, and I agree with that. Absolutely, you know every line of every song or every guitar lick or what you know whatever it is can and hopefully does, but it. 
it won't, but it certainly can mean something to at least one person. Right. And, and that's sort of the beauty of all these songs, especially the ones that we as cover musicians play that are sort of part of the great American songbook or the great worldwide songbook, uh, uh, is that they do mean things to people. And absolutely, people should be free to feel whatever it is they feel or want to feel when that part of that song or that entire song happens. And and that's sort of the that actually speaks to my point is if I'm going to allow my audience to be free to feel what they want to feel, I kind of need to step out of that and not tell them what they're supposed to feel as I'm doing what I'm doing. R.E.M., caught a great moment, right? Here's this kid feeling this very clearly, very passionate thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they're not telling him how to feel that they're just capturing the fact that he did. And I feel like that's the, that's where that line absolutely should be. You're free to, you can think about your work reports, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, while I'm playing a song and it could be taking care of business for lack, you know, for (laughs) for lack of anything else. Right. And it's like, yeah, screw it. You know, Monday I got to do this, but today I'm rocking out, you know, and, uh, and that's fine. But I don't know, telling people how to feel, that's where it's like, no, you know what? I'm playing these songs. Let's let's just leave it at that. I think it's useful to be to be smart enough to demonstrate that you're engaged and we're all in the world together. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a couple hours and, and go on a little road. But, yeah, there is this world railing outside. And, and to nod your head to that in a smart way, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Bruce has a great a great line, possibly the most useful line I've ever heard from an artist. And he said, when playing rock and roll, you got to keep two things in your mind. It's the most frivolous thing that you can be doing at the moment and the most important thing that you can be doing at the moment. It's actually both of those things. It is vitally important to give people this experience, but it's only rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I absolutely agree with that, too. That's pretty good. Hey, um, are we done on this path here, Paul? I'm empty. Okay, you're empty. I'm right. during the tank. <laughs> okay. So I had an idea. This was this is less than 24 hours old. I, I haven't made any moves on it. It could be years before I do. And once once you hear the idea, you'll understand why. Because you have to have exactly the right musicians for this. But I started thinking. I was in the shower and I built a playlist that had some like prog rock in it. Because I'm a prog rock guy. And, you know, I've mentioned that potentially kind of one of the future projects I might do someday is a, you know, a rush tribute band, right? They're done playing at least as far as they say. And I tend to actually believe them um, because Peart doesn't like playing live and he's has trouble with it now. So, uh, so they're done and it's like, okay, rush tribute band, but you really need to find it for that band. You need to find exactly the right people. As we talked about here, you know, it has to be people that are passionate about that music. And also by the way, Hey, can perform that music adequately enough to entertain an audience of discerning fans. Yeah. And so that idea has always sort of been swimming in the back of my head. And I I had a yes song on the thing and, and, uh, and I was listening to some ELP and I thought, wait a minute, why not instead of, pigeonholing just one band. I mean, you're not going to be able to see yes the way uh, you, you, you can't see yes anymore. You can see something that's called yes. And, and it's, that's fine. And there's some great musicians, some of whom actually played with yes in that band. And then there's other people, um, but you know, you can't see ELP anymore. Right. So 
If you are someone who wants to go experience any of these prog tunes live, you basically have to older prog. I don't mean like dream theater and all that stuff that's still happening in porcupine tree and, and, and even much newer bands. Uh, but if you want to experience like this older classic prog stuff, you are, you are forced to watch someone other than all the people that wrote it, play it. So if you can find the right people, and I th- started thinking this might actually be easier because I could probably find a bass player that just, for example, you know, that, uh, that could play, you know, any of the Chris Squire parts or any of the, the, the Getty Lee parts, but maybe he's not a huge rush fan. Maybe he's a yes fan. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's a, uh, uh, I, I don't know, a, a niacin fan or well, niacin's sort of a fusion band, but <laughs> You know, maybe he's a Nazareth fan. Like, I mean, there's all this other stuff that's out there. Actually, Nazareth's not really prog, although they played with all those prog guys. But, you know, you find somebody that that can cover this stuff and and you appease each person in the band with, the you know, the songs by the artist that means something to them. And then for the rest of the night, they're playing these other things that are challenging to them. It might be easier to pull it together and it might actually go over better. Because instead of just pigeonholing yourself to an audience of only Rush fans or only Yes fans or only ELP fans, now, you know, you could have like a keyboard player that's a monster in a Rush cover band or playing Rush covers. If you just had a Rush tribute band, there's no real point to have like a monster keyboard player is going to get bored with that material. But you would need them for some of it. And so, you know, maybe pulling it together and then instead of having to cover Rush just as a three piece and do it the tribute that way, now you could have five or six people on stage and now you're covering these songs in the way that that lineup does them best and actually probably does them better than you could as a three piece. But you're able to sort of, you know, move it around. And I think the crowds for that are, um, well, they certainly have time and money now. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you know, this is an interesting perspective on it. And I'm going to I'm going to twist it around for you. because sure. You're looking from the inside out. Right. I'm going to look from the outside in. Right. 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 So, you know, tribute bands have become a thing. Right. 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 And I think I think, you know, reviews, you know, a Motown review have been a thing for a long time. Yes. And, you know, yeah, I've had those shower moments about wouldn't it be cool to play Springsteen a, a tribute? And then your mind kind of does this. I can see myself on stage with a band of brothers who loves this music as much as I do playing to an audience of people like the same ones who go to the concerts who love this music as much as I do. Right. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? Right. Sure. And, 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 uh, but then, you know, a do, do the people like rush, you might have a fighting chance of it only having to get three people together. If I had to get, you know, seven to 16 people together to do a Springsteen thing, <clears throat> that would be a little bit more challenging. And it would also be heartbreaking to get any vibe at all because of how important the music is to have any any member who even though you can technically play it but not be as into it you know not be as enthused about it as you would be because it's music that's so useful to you so i would say that you're actually talking about a market proposition more than a musical proposition well like i'm talking what- about both I, I mean i really am because you gotta you've gotta have players that it, it, look you know this probably isn't going to be a project that makes enough money to move the needle so much that somebody would just do it and be completely committed. Uh, They can play it. They could care less about the music, but they're going to do it and be awesome at it because it pays them this exorbitant salary, right? It's not, that's not going to happen. So either of those two things though, Dave, you're talking about, you're talking about a, 
a labor of love of a of a yes. genre of music that's of value to you and figuring out how to make it work. Right. So narrow or broad, you know, narrow is just do it to a single band, broad to a genre of music. What you're saying is there's a there's a a category of music, a genre of music that um, I think people would enjoy hearing. I certainly would enjoy playing for it. And I just got to pick, you know, how narrow or broad I want to take the project. That's right. That That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think I think um, they would I, my personal opinion, they would probably both work about the same in this case. I, I agree. I just think it would be easier um, from a a an assembling of the musician standpoint to find the to do the the you know the 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 classic prog project as opposed to the rush tribute band or yes tribute band uh just to find musicians that would be because these are not easy things to play mm-hmm. right we're not talking about and, and you know I play a lot of gb gigs so I I'm I have I have a lot of <laughs> respect for it right <laughs> yeah exactly but uh but these are these are not gb tunes right you have to be committed to just even just to learn the form of one of these tunes, you have yeah. to care. And then you got to play your part through that form. That's a whole like different level. So to find musicians that are able and interested also and willing to play any of these tunes is difficult. And I know that from people that have put together like, you know, rush tribute bands and things like that. So I feel like it, I, I, and I, and really, you know, part of this is thinking about the musicians that I know. Okay, you know, could that guy play all of these parts? Yes. Is he interested in just being in a Rush tribute band? No. But you know, there's nothing wrong with adding some yes tunes in there. Ah, okay. But, but I think what you're you saying know. is, is that this is defined by the types of people you would play. Yeah. Your preference, actually, if you could find a bass player and a guitar player who is into Rush as you. That's what you would probably prefer to do. Right? No, that's the thing. As soon as I had this idea, it was like, wait a minute, because part of my one of my big problems with a Rush tribute band is, OK, it would take a ton of work. Right. It would have to pull all the right musicians. There would have to be, you know, luck. Op- preparation meets opportunity, plus lots of work. And it would be in some way all encompassing, except I love being a part of a group that has decent vocal harmonies. Yeah, yeah. That's not Rush. Right. So but now you bring yes into the mix. Oh, well, holy crap. OK, so for the rush tunes, I, you know, I'm not involved on the vocal harmonies. That's fine. No problem. But we pull in a yes tune and oh, OK, y- you know, now yeah. let's talk about that. So so actually, no, it's 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 as much about my preference uh, as as I've explored this. I, I actually uh, find my preference is leaning far more towards something with a little bit of variety. In that in that same thing, you know, you can't go out and play that you can, but uh, very different crowd vibe to go play, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, Springsteen, Rush. Yes. Like if you did that for the four songs by those four different artists back to back, I'm not sure what people in the crowd would think as a musician. I'd be into it. Sure. Look at that. They played that. We do that, though. We maybe maybe that's the way to do it. You know, maybe. No, no, no. I'm just saying, well, this is interesting because that is what we do. And, and uh, but you don't play Russian. Yes. No, no, no. But we do play Springsteen next to Earth, Wind and Fire. Next well, that, to, that's what I'm know. saying. You can do those two like Springsteen, Earth, Wind and Fire. That's like up dance, moving, you know, rock and roll, energetic stuff. And ah. then suddenly, you know, you change gears and you're in this. All right. Everybody sit down. Uh, watch us be, you know, as as close to virtuosos as it's possible for us to be. 
And uh, please don't judge us too hard, you, you know, uh-huh. and then and then and don't worry in a minute. We'll play, uh, you know, the romantics, what I like about you. And you can stand back up and dance that that I mean, I, I, I actually I could see that, you know, if you market it the right way, I could see that working. But uh, I, I feel like, you know, the, so many of these great classic prog tunes are not played because they don't fit into a night with other things. You kind of need to carve out. This is what this is going to be. And yeah, you're probably not going to have a crowd of people standing up. You're going to have people sitting, watching, and that's how this music is. Is well, it's kind of like when when we had um, um, our friend come on and talk about his, you know, his, the Tommy Show, right? Correct. You know, they said this is a this is a work of art. Yep. What was it? What was the guy's name again? Peter Hounslow. Peter. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know, this is a work of art that you know, is a meaning to us. And it's something we think people would like, I think for your situation, which is kind of interesting. The question is, if you were to do a, a rush tribute, would you really be all in committed to a tribute? Like you would want to find a singing bass player who could sing right. and play those parts. Right. Or do you just want to get the music out there? That's, you know, and, you know, there's a, there's a, there's many disciplines of thought yep. as to a tribute should be a tribute and you should dress like them. You should look like them. You should act like them you, and definitely sound like them right. and your configuration or, or it's like, you know, so-and-so a tribute to the music of so-and-so and it's whatever it takes to get the job done. So well, that's, it's kind of the difference between something like, you know, like the, 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 the gamut of Beatles tribute bands that are out right. there. Right. Cause there's like 1964 and uh, the cast of Beatlemania that, they each play a role of one of the four Beatles and yeah. and that's it. And they sing all the parts that came from their person. And then you've got like Will Lee's project, the Fab Foe, which is more than foe people. And, yeah. you know, but they are covering the parts the best they can. And in many ways actually do better than, you know, at that they do better, but they don't out look here, like the Beatles. Yeah. Out here we have the Sun Kings, which, you know, is a, a representative um, tribute to the Beatles, you know, in terms of band members and, and uh, the look and costumes and all type of stuff. And then we have something called the White Album Ensemble, which um, is whatever it takes to get the music, you know, played, including, yeah. including, you know, sometimes getting, you know, a string section and, you know, those types of things. Exactly. And, and you know, both are very, po- I mean, we're talking Beatles, but, you know, both <laughs> yeah, are very a little, popular. a little different. But I think, you know, yeah. I, I, I would actually think time and space, time since the music has really been put on stage and, you know, that there are there is a category of music lovers called prog rock music lovers and they can't get their fill. Right. seems to me, if you know, if you want my advice, seems to me like there's a proposition for, you know, it's not a band that's going to gig in clubs every week. But, no. you know, you could you could take one of these cl- these uh, venues that you talk about out and, you know, enjoy two or three times a year. Yeah. Um, you know, doing a performance. And, and I think that know, would be it. I think it, the only way. To take a project and 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 th- this is exactly what I was thinking, you know. But the only way to take that kind of a project and turn it into a regularly gigging thing would be to do what like Dave Brunyak has done. Well, he's he's technically just a member of the band, and it, it's uh, Rick. I can't remember his name, but anyway, what the guys in Pink Talking Fish have done, huh? where they they could play, you know, relatively locally, you know, several times a year or whatever. They take it on the road. And so they're all over the place doing something like this. I'm not saying I want to go back out on the road, but that would be the only way to take a, a project like this and gig, you know, 
more than even once a month might even be too much in a, you know, any given local area. Cause yeah. there is that, that, that crowd of prog fans and you could get the same ones to come out four times a year, especially if you were evolving your set list and, you know, doing different things and put on a decent light show. I mean, you'd have to bring the entire show up to a level well above what you yeah. would get in a normal bar gig. Maybe the first gig is a normal bar gig as you're sort of getting your footing. And then, and then from there you sort of blow it up. So. I think what you're describing, any project that, that a musician thinks to start, and again, you know, music is interesting because people may be willing to take on labors of love like that. And yeah. it's not always financially you know, driven, right. but any, any project, like any product, you think about, you know, is there an audience for it? Is there a customer for it? You know, is there someone who'll like it? Are there enough in my area given my constraints and yep. you know, where do I want to take this project? What is, what is success? You know, is yeah, well, success, that's it. it. What's success? Yeah. Remember we had this conversation about, I'm always amazed on uh, when people say on Craigslist, Hey, I'm starting a band and the goal is to, is to gig once a month. And I'm like, how can a musician have a goal to gig once a month? I mean, just, it just seems like, you know, if it's in you and you want to perform, how could you, how could you throttle it back? And you had a long answer for it, you know, family and, you know, yeah. and a lot of things, but I'm, you know, still this many years down the road, you know, if I don't gig, I get a little antsy, man. I, you, you, know, you went years gigging zero times a month. Yeah, but now I'm 17. <laughs> you can't use that on me anymore, man. Now I'm 17 years, you know, no, gigging I know, fairly often. I know, but that's what I'm saying is, is you chose to go from however often you were playing to zero for many years in a row. Whereas I chose why well, I, I knew that that would be unhealthy for me. And so it was, all right, how do I do this? And I figured it out. I mean, I figured out the answer to how do you do it where you gig just once or twice a month. Now, there's the desire and working towards that goal of once or twice a month. But it is a an exercise in failure because you're either going to gig like zero times a month or like three, four, sometimes five, because you kind of have to take the gigs as they come to you. Yeah. And and as demand increases and, you know, all of that, you're like, well, how many of these gigs do I want to turn down? Uh, because I know saying no often means that's the last time that's, that's the last time you were at the top of that person's list. You're now at the bottom right. and when they work through everybody else again, they might call you, you know, for, for another gig, but you can guarantee you're not going to be getting called for, you know, the gig in three weeks. So you kind of have to, you know, even as someone with that goal of, and I still, I like the once or twice a month thing. As anybody who listens to this show knows, sometimes I'll, I'll go a month with zero and sometimes it's months with, you know, like 12. And that's just how it goes. And, and you know, my family accepts that and I accept that and it's, it's how it works. It's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny in, in my band, we're having this discussion you're talking about the how narrow, how wide, how true do you go? Yeah. Ex well, expand that conversation out to me because, you know, it's an interesting discussion. We talk about. Uh, we're in we're in the period of time now where we're adding a lot of new material as we get ready to have another busy summer, and um, so you know ideas for songs are coming in from all over the place, and uh, there's a there's a range of opinions in my group about you know well this is the type of song that you have to do note for note, mm. oh, this is the type of song that you have to capture the basic essence of what the original was, and you know it's funny because in, in many ways my mind is this is is um, our band has gotten to a place of trust with our audience. You go to see the house rockers. I believe what are they going to do for us tonight is kind of the, you know, because yeah. we play 
you know, a very different show almost every night. You know, we, we haven't done the exact same set list twice in a row ever. Sure. And, um, you know, we have a lot of stuff that, you know, maybe 30 percent of our of our show is the things that I know people like the most. And they are in most shows. They'll get rotated out for a show or two. But, you know, there there are always our go to's. But but I actually have this interesting premise that our audience uh, trusts us that if we're going to cover something that we're going to um, make it interesting. So, for example, we'll do a, a Supreme song, right? Obviously, we don't sound like the Supremes. Um, I don't think we sound, you know, like Earth, Wind & Fire, but that's the most popular stuff that we do, especially yeah. in dance situations. Um, but what do you think? Do you think certain songs um, need nuance, uh, respected regardless? Like, you know, can you think of a song you would never bring into a cover situation unless it was going to be you know, as note for note, as vibe for vibe, as feel for feel as possible? Or do you think uh, you think a band has to get to a certain level before they can start exploring that? Or do you think a band can start out saying, you know, here, here's our takes on all these interesting things? Or do you think that's a, that's a challenge proposition right out of the gate? So I think uh, I have uh, several answers that are going to contradict uh, each other. And, and I believe <laughs> I believe all of them simultaneously. So uh, the the first thing I think uh, to your point, you know, your crowd trusts you to interpret these songs in a way that they're going to find entertaining. Right. Um, I think that starts with the band. And and I think that's where this decision needs to be made. It, it's interesting to hear you say, well, for this song, we can sort of, you know, just get the essence and do it. But that song has to be exactly right. And this song, we can get the essence and sort of picking song by song. That seems odd to me. Um, but I, again, I'm going to disagree with myself in a minute here. But uh I, I would to me, that's like the it, what's the essence of your band as a whole is your goal to, you know, cop these tunes exactly, which means like, you know, you guys as the guitar players are going after exactly the right tone. And, you, you know, like how crazy do you want to get to get exactly note for note? And are you having like you said, you know, with with Earth, Wind and Fire or Supremes, are you bringing in vocalists like female vocalists for the Supremes or anything like that or and to me, that decision is a band wide decision. If I were doing, you know, to rewind a little to my Rush tribute project that, OK, you know, now you're putting something on stage. The expectation is people are going to walk in and hear Rush. That's sort of one of the reasons I kind of like the idea of the classic rock, you know, classic prog rock review, because now you have a little bit of leeway. Like, all right, well, you know, those guys didn't do Rush the best, but that was a pretty good version. But that version of Starship Trooper, that was killer. Oh, and the way the guitar play, you know, like that, you you have a little bit more leeway. That said, um, I have a really hard time with bands that screw up Beatles covers. That it, and 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 that might be true of any songs that were really intentionally crafted um you, you take and beatles songs were right those guys like worked on them eagles songs are the same way really difficult to find something better to do with those songs i'm, I'm not saying it's impossible i've certainly seen bands cover eagles tunes um or beatles tunes uh who is it government mule did a great cover of uh she said she said and it's totally different from the original and fantastic okay wait wait let me pause you because like you know we do that that uh, little medley from from the Cirque du Soleil show, love, love it, but that's not that's we're sl we're chopping up Beatles songs. Well, you didn't, Giles did. 
And, and you're just well. I mean, he's, to be he's allowed to, and he well, but he was petrified of doing that when he did it. You know, but he, and he took a huge risk because of exactly what I'm saying here. But it happened to work out. Like he had the right sensibility to put not just that you know drive my car and the word medley together, but all of those medleys that he did. Um, he it, it turns out he had the right sensibilities for it. It also turns out that his father you know helped craft. Some of those original Beatles, I mean, the, like the effort that I refer to going into the crafting of those tunes was included, you know, George Martin. So, yeah, you know, chip off the old block. Right. Um, but but that kind of stuff is really uh, risky. And 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 I've seen people screw up the Beatles stuff more often than not. So my sort of safe default is if we're going to play a Beatles tune, let's just play it straight, you know, and. And but if somebody has like a genius idea and feels really passionate, like, no, 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 wait, I have this cool thing. I'm always open to try it. But, you know, you got to like anything. You got to listen and say at the end, OK, look, we took this this seed of a song. We've made it our own. Is it crap? And you have to be able to ask that question objectively, regardless of how much work you put in to getting it to be either crap or not crap. And and you just have to be like, yeah, you know what? We tried all this. That sucks. OK, no problem. You know, moving on. Unless somebody has an emotional attachment to this this turd that you've created and then you've got a problem. But uh, but I think as long as it's not crap and you're really, truly willing to ask that question at the end of however arduous that process is, then I think you're all right. That's my feeling. So did I did I contradict myself enough in my answer there, Paul? Um, no. Well, again, you know, we live we like to live in a world of black and white. There aren't black and white answers, right? right? right. You know, it's it's each situation, each song, and and uh, you know, I think that that's that's the right answer. What what's we? I played um, with the Responders back in Connecticut. We played a killer version of uh, "Back in My Arms Again" by the Supremes, mm. and uh, and this was before I was a decent singer. And so they didn't let me sing, which was smart. Um, but uh, but the other three guys were singing and it was this rich three part harmony. And it, I mean, we sounded like a rock band full of guys playing this song that was written for us. But it wasn't. It was a Supreme tune. I always like that. I always like watching artists interpret other people's music. It's always interesting to me what they hear in something yeah. that made them a choose it and be how they emoted. I always I, I'm always a fan of that whenever. Whenever I see a band live and they cover something, that's I, I really get off on that. And, and uh, because there's a certain amount of creativity, they're taking something that they said, "Hey, this speaks to me," yeah. and you know they're saying, hey, "But here's how it speaks to me," and then they you know turn it into something. It's not always great, but I I, I love the uh, effort and attention. I love um, you know one of my favorite guys now is Joe Bonamassa, the guitar player. Oh, yeah. Incredible, incredible guitar player, and uh, and uh, Joe he works in riffs. And and slight covers of things, you know. Starship Trooper actually is one that he's known for doing. Oh, is that right? And, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, oh. and you know he can play anything. But sure. it's interesting because it's Starship Trooper. But you know he obviously has a much heavier sound and feel than Howe did, right? Of course. And so, yeah. But and, and to me, there's beauty and interest in those things. So I, I don't know. Yeah, there can be. Again, it's you know it. I and I think this is probably the thing that is the difference maker between an awful musician and or an awful band, an average band and a great band is the ability to look at what you're about to release and say, okay, did, you know, is this crap? And if it is, let's just either rework it or toss it. And you've got to have those, you've got to have those filters. 
And if the, yeah, like you said, if they, if you don't know whether it's crap or not, find somebody who does. <laughs> well, you find somebody who does, right? You know, that's, well, well, that's what I'm saying though. This is, this is a, this is a question. This is the essence of my question is like, if one person sees it as crap because it's not true enough to the original, the other person sees it as no, this is inventive. And we, we're, we're able to take that license. That is the creative conversation. Yeah. But one of them is wrong. I, I, really? I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Some, some people just have, have bad barometers. And, and, and I, and when I say bad, I mean, you, you know who the crowd is that you are working to entertain it, you know, so whoever's barometer you're going to choose to trust has to be one that is tuned in to that crowd. So, you know, if somebody says, oh, dude, no, this, this is killer. We stop in the middle of Born to Run and we play the guitar, like the entire extended guitar solo reggae. from, yeah, from Starship Trooper reggae style and then back to the end of Born to Run. Right. I mean, you could make an argument, certainly from a drummer standpoint, be like, well, both of those are like prog rock tunes when you're playing the drum part. So you might find a drummer that's like actually going to make this argument. I am not the one, but there might be someone that might say, no. Oh, dude, trust me on this. Well, yes, to you and people like you, that resonates and that's cool. But all those people out there, see them, the ones that are waiting for us to go get on stage. They're not like you. you all know. right. Well, let me let me try this a different way. I, I, I once knew someone who said this to me about, about playing in a cover band. Um, when you start out, you're a jukebox to prove that you can do it. And you can get the gigs and you can build an audience and you can do this type of stuff. But after a while... You brought really don't want to be a jukebox. You really want to, you know, extend, extend your art and your voice. And that, that, that is fairly accurate to me about how I feel. It's okay. When you start out, you got to figure out if you can play together with a band yeah. and you got to figure out if people like what you're doing. And, you know, you, you know, as a cover band, you cover. And then I think as you get good at your craft and as you become more entertaining, you earn the license to go into different, in different places, different sounds, different treatments of stuff. You're not always going to be right, but you get points for trying. Um, yeah, as long as you are right more often than you're wrong. That's fair. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, well, if you're yes. wrong, then you've got to take a lesson, right? You've you got to learn. You have to you learn, learn from something. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you go out and you play the, you know, born to run Starship Trooper reggae extravaganza <laughs> and it falls like, more flat than Jazz Odyssey, then you might not want to do that again without really kind of looking at what you've done. But I, yeah. I, I still think the Born to Run Starship Trooper reggae extravaganza uh, is, you know, th- there there might be merit to that to someone other than There is me. a listener out there right now it's who's a, got the dude. mashup machine going. I, I and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please refrain. Please <laughs> refrain. I don't know. You never know. Like like a stupid idea like Let's that. Let's do it with one of your favorite songs, not one of my favorite songs. I, right? I included one of my favorite songs into it. I put Starship Trooper in there, man. Dude. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's sacred the, ground. <laughs> oh, no. Starship Trooper is sacred ground. See, I mean, especially that end part, man. Uh, yeah, it's like that. Right, well, well, let's yeah. flip it around and we'll just put a chorus from Born to Run in the middle of Starship Trooper. I'll feel better about that. OK, see, there you go. Maybe and maybe that's the right way to approach it. But that, but that's kind of the thing is like if you're going to start getting crazy with stuff like this, you have to. You have to really be willing to put a critical eye to it, regardless of how great you thought it might be uh, when you had the idea. Yeah. And, and, and then, as I said, sometimes you're just someone who has bad ideas, and, you know, for that particular audience. 
and maybe bad ideas is a is is the wrong way to say it. Maybe it's better to say you have ideas that resonate with a different audience than the one for whom you are going to play it. Fine. That's less efficient, but perhaps more politically correct. I don't know. You just got to know your audience. So. Got to know. All right. Well, this went crazy. You thought it might not? No, I knew it. I knew it would. I'm very much looking forward to our next episode, folks. You've got. uh, Number 100. Number 100 is our next episode. And uh, if the schedules work as it looks like they're going to, uh, we'll have uh, drummer Kenny Aronoff on to uh, to chat about his gigs. Gab, I know I'm excited about that. It should be fun. And if we don't get him on number 100 because his schedule gets screwed up or ours does, uh, we'll get him on at some point. Uh, He seems like he's going to be a great guy. So looking forward to it. You can find us, folks, on Facebook. Go to uh, GigGabPodcast.com slash Facebook, and that will bring you right to our GigGab Podcast community for working musicians where we all share our ideas. And maybe even one of you will share the Born to Run Starship Trooper extravaganza, <laughs> reggae extravaganza. Mashup. But it's okay if you don't. But it's okay if you don't. <laughs> all right, folks, have a, uh, have a splendid week. We will see you next time. Thanks for the first 99, Paul. Always be performing. Please. Please. But perhaps not the Born to Run Starship Trooper (laughs) Reggae Extravaganza.